Knuckleball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say right. I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. Now you're welcome along. So we're coming at you on this Tuesday evening. A slight tangent. They said it couldn't be done, but here we are. It's week seven in a row. The streak continues uh, with the help of Colin Buick, who is stepping in from Dr. O'D. So it's uh, intriguing. A, a second appearance for Buick. Brennan Deveni will talk to us all things football. We did neglect Derry Cork in particular yesterday. I, I really did feel that we didn't get to them because we were um, just so busy talking about the first three games and then clock came against us. So Brennan Deveni is going to talk to us about Derry and Monaghan as well. So we'll get the uh, Ulster's perspective on the inevitable Dublin Kerry final. And then we will talk to the authors behind the piece in The Athletic on Vera Pau and her time at Houston as well. So that's on the way after nine o'clock. The authors from The Athletic, who've been working on that piece for several weeks, uh, published several months indeed, published yesterday. And uh, we're discussing 53106, the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy is here in studio. How are you, Joe? Suddenly realised I hadn't heard if Richie was or wasn't here, so I'm presuming there he is. Hello. You never know. Uh, Yeah. Do you know why that is? That's because we've got a a, a truant uh, sound op who's uh, (laughs) behind the glass there, who has been touring the various fields of Dublin and beyond over the last while, who's not used to doing this shift anymore. A month off, Joe, Pete took. Pete Malloy found the found. You didn't even notice. Did you? The the foundation of the (laughs) ODB nation. He's literally been on tour. That's mad. Now that you say it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, uh, Joe didn't know his feet. <laughs> I just feel like, well, I, to be fair, I did see Pete last night. So it's not like I'm like, oh, there's Pete. Anyway, he forgot dear. to ring up Richie. You forgot to ring up Richie. Well, listen, there you go. Could happen to a bishop. Yeah. 53106 is the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. So busy show, slight tangent. Lots of emails in again. We'll be talking to, like I said, the journalist behind the athletic piece. What's kind of interesting about the, not the most interesting thing, but what is interesting about the athletic piece is I think they received blowback on Twitter from Irish people in support yeah. of your house in hatchet job, eve of the World Cup kind of situation. And uh, interestingly, one of the journalists uh, replied to say, just to give you the context here, uh, we did this on the back of Vera Power approaching us in April 2023 on the issue of protecting coaches from players, not players from coaches, coaches from players. And so from that point, they said, OK, we'll do a piece. And obviously, Power is quoted throughout. And they said, we'll go and talk to Dash players and staff. Uh, seven of them spoke about power. So it's actually, um, I don't know, are the FAI thrilled or not that it's uh, bubbled up again, but it's all on the back, it seems, according to the journalists in the Athletic of power approaching them, which is kind of an, an interesting um, footnote on the whole thing. Again, it's not the core issue, but I, I, n- I noted that they were being attacked for like a hatchet job on the <sighs> eve of the World Cup, you know. See, the problem with that is, as well, is that like, how do I put this? That was a great piece of journalism. If you read that piece, it's certainly not a hatchet job, I would say. And these stories are there to be told. It's nothing to do with journalists, whether they suit a country or a team or not, right? The other side of it then is that you will have editors who will decide when a piece will 
make its most impact and that's just a fact of life you know so the fact that this is on the eve of the World Cup and it's not really the eve of the World Cup we're a good bit out still you know what I mean it's not like the night before Ireland play Australia but it is right right on the on the heel on, on the foot of a World Cup right so absolutely I can see why people would automatically assume that but to think that that makes a piece by the two journalists involved a hatchet job or anything like that is, I don't know, it's just a misunderstanding of how these things work, I would say. I would think so. So that's why they're on the show after uh, nine o'clock. We'll talk to Brennan Deveni this hour, as I mentioned, and a slight tangent after eight. So that is very much the menu. We should start with the news round. Richie, I've got to be honest, I've been running around doing different yeah. things. I have no sense of Wimbledon today. Uh, do you want to start with that? All right, we will. Uh, we'll start with Wimbledon today because you haven't missed much, to be fair, because rain has scuppered almost an entire day's play on the outside courts today. But under the roof on centre court, Andy Murray did book his second round place with a straight sets win over the world number 268, Ryan Peniston, no relation to CeCe. Murray will play either Stefanos Tsitsipas or Dominic Team in round two. Team was a set to love up when they were called ashore today. Men's top seed Carlos Alcaraz brushed aside Jeremy Shardy in straight sets but defending women's champion Elena Rabakina had to come from a set down to beat Shelby Rogers. The Kazakh had only played two matches and five sets on grass in preparation for today due to illness. I will say that uh, first it was not so many matches before and uh, of course uh, just the atmosphere and uh, the attention to be on the centre court it's different than the last year because last year I started on a smaller court and uh, uh, with every match I was playing better and better, feeling better, but uh, here it's different. Straight away you go to this big court and uh, I think for me it's now a new chapter and this is something I need to get used and uh, try to maintain my level and uh, yeah, just to get used to all these things. Uh, last year's beaten finalist Ange Jabeur needed just 76 minutes to be Magdalena Frech to advance to round two today. Currently out on centre, Arena Sabalenka is uh, cruising towards round two. She's a set to love and 3-1 up on Pana Udvardi. Over on court number one, Cam Nori is two sets to one up on the Czech Tamas Machak. And uh, that's your Wimbledon for today, Joe. Missing Sue Barker. That's, that's my take on Wimbledon's first couple of days, Joe. Go Are on. you though? Oh yeah. Oh, do you know what I'm particularly missing here? You know that voice that changes between games? We can get more of this, just switch over to BBC Two. Here in BBC One though, we're going to centre court. If you want to continue watching, doesn't work with anybody team, that's on the red button. That's Um, Sue should just do that forever. Yeah, they've, they've found a good replacement in fairness. Like Claire Claire Balling's Claire Balling's doing the meat and potatoes. I was gonna say. And then you have Isha Guha who's stepped in as well she kind of got her feet wet last year uh, in preparation for Sue leaving and she's been doing the the early part of the day and they're both pretty good it's a difficult gig it's a, diff- a very difficult gig that's spot- why I want the best that ever was at it spot the man by the way who's working from home and uh, can give you chapter and verse on every single Wimbledon presenter <laughs> and what's going on I, I've seen right through this um, is Claire Boldin kind of not you know amongst the doyen and great broadcaster and brings a nice energy maybe she is I didn't see her I saw the, the um, you didn't see her and you're missing Sue I saw the the young up and comer that Richie just mentioned oh, well, um, come on and she was hosting a, a conversation with Tim Henman and someone else about how so much had changed and they had a really really awkward conversation about, uh, oh, there's about a lot of Russia and Belarus today. and yeah. world ranking points and moving on from the war <laughs> that was the most awkward and terrible television I've seen on BBC in a long time they weren't on top of it and I, I like be honest about it you know what I mean I just feel like they would have done that better in the past Sue 
a lovely presence and obviously played and that gives you that kind of Lineker-esque authority and she wore that very lightly. I don't remember any great... Oh, I remember when Bill with the lads... They oh, had that no. Epic, like, they, they, they don't there, need, you don't need that in very, tennis, do you? But, well, I mean... You just need the smiley voice. Was there ever... A, but yeah, okay. So that's what you missed, the smiley... The, the presence. But there was never like great... Oh my God, the analysis on BBC after the tennis is something else. Ah, does, does ne, does, it's McEnroe never that hard hitting. No. is the only one who, who approaches anything uh, approaching a critical voice. You'll sometimes get decent insight from Henman, but for the most part, like at some point yesterday, was it David Lloyd and Annabelle Croft were side by side? And it's just, he got the sense that they're filling time before they could go to something. And there tends to be a fair bit of that. And today, especially when they were scrambling for footage in the first couple of hours because they'd essentially only gotten scraps from the outside courts and uh, the show courts hadn't began, hadn't begun yet. So yeah, the, the, that feeling and sense of padding out time is I tell you it, God, this is Becker as well Becker yeah do you know what it does actually Becker was great was he ah he was the colour was ah, he you don't think so yeah. you just don't like it you, you, you'd you sell it off to Sky in a minute <laughs> wouldn't you wouldn't you oh, no I wouldn't no sorry I would, TNT Sports I, I wanted on yeah. BBC I just I never remember ever McEnroe aside I grant you that, Richie, by a uh, uh, very yeah. honourable mention. I never, ever remember going, God, this is a great conversation here. Not even enjoyable. I'm not saying it was like incredibly... Uh, wallpapery. Yeah. On in the background. Lovely wallpaper. Summer wallpaper. And, but you never once would go, shh, they're talking here. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> never I once. Know. I don't know if I would do that about any tennis, though, to be honest. Well, it's a difficult thing. Well, sorry, I take that back. It's not a difficult thing to have interesting conversations about, but... Uh, the best piece of tennis commentary, though, yeah. is where they don't talk for, like, 15 minutes during a rally, and then, like, Barry Davis just goes, ah, at the end of it. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I remember stand that. Uh, never Richie, lose that. It was, um, well, I can't imagine. Uh, the under-20s, under dire circumstances today, played against Fiji. Yeah, Richie Murphy praised the character of his Ireland players after they booked a semi-final berth at the World Under-20 Rugby Championship today. Gus McCarthy and Brian Gleeson both scored a pair of tries in a 47 points to 27 bonus point win over Fiji. The match, remember, came less than 24 hours after scrum half Jack Oliver's father, Greg, died in a paragliding accident while he was in South Africa to support his son. Uh, Jack Oliver was due to be on the bench today and obviously wasn't as a consequence. Greg Oliver himself, of course, a former Scotland international who had served as Munster's elite performance officer since 2011 and also uh, was a former head coach of the Ireland under 20s I mean condolences to all just shocking just so hard to get your head around really isn't it like such a tragedy in the middle of something that's so celebratory as well like an underage yeah. tournament as well out you know and his son is son. out there oh. yeah would have played today you know um, oh, it, what is there to say really yeah it's really desperate so again sincerest condolences to all awful news uh, Richie, we were uh, to the next story. Our mm. female intercounty players have been protesting and playing under protest for the last number of weeks. And I think increasingly there have been murmurs. Well, you know, we're not exactly seeing the male intercounty players wearing T-shirts or showing any support. Uh, it's fair to say they've come out with a bang today with this statement. Resounding, I think, is the word you'd use. Yeah, 68 uh, male senior intercounty captains say female players can no longer wait for minimum standards of welfare and care. Through the GPA, the male captains are calling on the GAA to work with the LGFA and the Camogie Association to bring about equality for female players. Those female players have been protesting, as you say, what they claim are delays from the three associations in developing a charter to improve welfare standards. I must confess, when I first saw male players have released a statement... 
I wondered, oh, is this going to be a kind of wishy-washy, hey, we just think, you know, the female players should have the basics too, thumbs up, mm. no specifics. But actually, they really nailed their colours to the mast in terms of saying to the GAA that actually this integration process, if it takes five, ten years, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. Now, are you going to are you going to stand up, GAA? So, for instance, if you haven't seen the statement, they do the initial, look, we support our female counterparts, but where they really, I think, uh, deserve credit, the statement says, we do not accept this is a matter solely for the two female governing bodies, which is the response you have given to date, is what they say to the GA. Among the GA's values is that of community identity. Community is the heart of our association. We know from our own communities that if our neighbour is struggling or requires help, the local GA steps in to provide help. We know our female intercountry colleagues in the Gaelic Games community are in need of support. They need help to, to provide basics and they list out the various basics. Are you going to live that value of community or will you allow this opportunity for positive change to pass us by in the GA we know and love there would only be one answer to that question yeah pretty good really really strong yeah. and really really good to see and actually didn't surprise me as much but again I just I don't, I don't know I've always found that male players and maybe it's a GPA thing you know but I, I've, I've found that in the last few years male players have been unequivocal in their support of uh, the female players and um yeah, so it doesn't massively surprise me, but I do think it's very important. Puts the ball in the you know, GA's court. I think court it's now. very important, and that's a yeah, it's a huge, huge step. Yeah. Ball is in GA's court because the vibe from the GA has sort of been well, they're, they're not our players yeah. yet, and now their own players are saying, well, we don't accept that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, time to sort it out, really, isn't it? Like we talked about it at the time, but you know, when 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 the protest was initially um, brought forward, but like. The G, we can't afford to wait. This, as you pointed out at the time, there's something like this that's as as detailed as it is, and all of the all of the research into it suggests that this is something that could take half a decade, if yeah. not more. Yeah, there is no way to wait until then. It is the GEA's responsibility as the people who are basically, as I mentioned at the time, it's like a political comparison of somebody who's like due to take over, uh, you know, um, the running of a country. You know, it's not as if they don't have a a part to play in what happens in the meantime. Like the integration is going to happen. It is on the books. It is just finding the way to do it. They can't just wash their hands of everything that happens between now and then. And I must confess, because I've been talking about it quite a bit between the Sunday paper reviews or just different slots, I had, like, to be fair to the GAA, which is not a sentence we say enough, I had started to appreciate the argument which people, like very reasonable people, had posited, which essentially is saying, look, in fairness, what if talks break down between the three associations? Are the GAA just left footing this bill forever? Like, you have to be fair to them. They haven't anticipated this just because a protest has started. Do they just suddenly have to drop everything and and foot the bill? And I I, I could think, okay, I can kind of... I see that and they haven't read this statement and their own players saying we don't care about any of that mm. they're in trouble are we going to help I'm right back onto the yeah get, get on your like, neighbour's house on fire yeah you yeah, know that's why it's a very effective statement I think absolutely. it settles that argument a little yeah. bit and look I, I also think that they have a responsibility as the far 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 bigger organisation of the three governing bodies of Gaelic Games in the country the GEA are obviously the dominant force they are again looking for that integration whether it happens or not like it will but again if it broke down that doesn't lessen their responsibility to Gaelic players at large yeah in agree. this country no yeah. agree 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 
we heard from Nathan Collins today Richie I presume he's pretty happy it's not every day who does anyone value our work at 27 million pounds uh, one would hope one day no, uh, Joe Nathan Collins though today completed a 27 million euro move from Wolves to Brentford the Republic of Ireland defender has signed a six year deal with the London club with the option of a further two years the move means Collins breaks his own record as the most expensive Irish player of all time 12 months after originally breaking it and Collins believes he's found an ideal home in Brentford I like to play football I want to dribble with I want to play football I want to I want to create I want to create stuff you know at the same time so if it starts from the back I can drive it forward I can play long balls short balls you know and just and at the end of the day I'm a defender though I'm, I have to head it I have to win it I have to win my challenges that's the main job really yeah I like that he led with dribble yeah exactly yeah that's the first thing <laughs> Brentford's a perfect home for him it's a really well run club but a really really good manager uh, I can't see them slipping too far off. They might not repeat like eighth place like they did last year, but I think they're they're a club that are going places and they should suit them. It's a really really good move. It's been such a class summer actually so far, hasn't it? With like Darrow Shea, Ogbené, you know this move. Obafemi is obviously going to the Premier League as well. That you know um, Burnley completed his his signing. So you know at least at last it feels like some positivity around like we won't be doing all the stats up for the first time in the history of the Premier League no Irish player even exists yeah do you think that day will ever come Seamus Coleman new contract yeah uh, do you think we'll have no players in the Premier League ever I don't think there'll nah. ever be a time when we don't have a player at least in a squad somewhere there could be a time where nobody's getting any game time though and that could happen you know hopefully not too soon hopefully this generation fulfills that potential but You'd worry about after that, wouldn't you? Yeah, we got we got Big Ev for the next twenty years. There you go. That's a, that's a slight well, twenty years before he goes to Real Madrid yeah. <laughs> at yeah. thirty eight. Well, <laughs> I, well, I think he will play till he's thirty eight. I think his generation of players will play till close to forty now. Okay, think I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Beat Robbie's record. John O'Shea said he'll challenge I know. At the gate, thought it was a ballsy. Well, he's on two now. Stay. <laughs> well, he's only 18 like I know getting there I wouldn't lead with that either <laughs> where are we going next Rich uh, to the southeast. Waterford owner Andy Pilly has been sentenced to 13 years in prison in the UK he's been jailed having been found guilty of fraud and money laundering earlier this year as well as Waterford Pilly also owns English League One club Fleetwood Town meanwhile Galway United have supercharged their promotion push with the signing of Wasim Awashira from Waterford the former Algeria underage international striker scored four times in 13 games this season for the Blues but uh, Waterford say they will continue to operate as normally despite Pilly's sentencing Okay Anything else going on? Uh, Michael Abafemi, as you mentioned, already racing, uh, facing a race to be fit in time for the Republic of Ireland's Euro qualifiers in September. The Burnley striker is going to miss the start of the Premier League season as he requires surgery on a hamstring injury that he sustained in Ireland's 3-0 win over Gibraltar. Okay, last couple of stories, Rich. Uh, we should mention Irina Sabalenka at the top there. It said she was uh, cruising into round two. She already has done that. She has uh, beaten Pana Udvardi 6-3, 6-1 to advance to the second round uh, this evening at Wimbledon. But the Leash County Board today thanked Billy Sheehan for his past two years in charge of the county's senior footballers. The Kerry native stepped down from the job following failure to be promoted from uh, the, in the league and a Talton Cup semi-final trouncing at the hands of Down. While Andy Balburnie today stepped down as the captain of Ireland's one day and T20 cricket sides, his decision follows Ireland's seventh place playoff win over Nepal at the World Cup qualifier in Zimbabwe. Ireland failed to qualify for the tournament proper after defeats to Scotland and the UAE 
Paul Sterling will step into the breach on an interim basis with the uh, limited oversight. And Jasper Philipsen secured back-to-back stage wins on the Tour de France today. The Belgian won in a sprint into Nogaro. Adam Yates retains the overall leader's yellow jersey with a six-second lead over his twin brother Simon and the two-time champion, not related, uh, Tadej Pogacar. Okay, fellas, we are pretty much out of time. Richie McCormick, get back to Wimbledon. <laughs> so he will. Hung up. Michael McCarthy, thank you very much. Sure.